Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Do you know that in the more than 300 interviews we've done on Cannabis Health Radio, Corey and I have only interviewed one other person who had bladder cancer. Now, more than half a million people worldwide get bladder cancer each year. Today, we're going to talk to a second person who had bladder cancer and successfully dealt with it using cannabis. And joining us from Wales is David Hine. David, good to have you here. Thank you. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. David, if it wasn't for cannabis, do you think you'd be alive today? No, absolutely not. You were diagnosed with bladder cancer in 2008. Now, take us back to that point and tell us how you discovered you had a problem with your bladder. Okay, so I went to the doctor and I was feeling a little bit bloated, you know, Kind of when you have a Thanksgiving dinner and you always eat too much, don't you? You can't just leave that. So that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it persisted for a few days. So I went to the doctors. I said, what do you think that is? He said, oh, I think you, you've got a tight belt. Okay. Because I had a little bit, bit of uh, excess weight at the time. He said, I think the belt's a little tight. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, he won't. This, this guy diagnosed Doctors, don't get me going on doctors, please. (laughs) (laughs) This guy diagnosed my stepdaughter as having, um, what was it? I don't know, something wrong with her adenoids. She actually had acute appendicitis or something, you know. He's like, if I had to put my uh, life on it, he says, I'd say that was your tight belt. Mm. Hey, thank you, Donald. I was living in Ireland at the time. Uh, And off I went. Well, a couple of days later, I started passing blood. I was out with some friends having a drink and uh, went to the toilet, passed a little bit of blood. The next morning when I got up, I passed a whole bunch of blood, like a lot of blood. Um, then I went back to the doctors and he said, oh, well, we'd better get you up to Dublin quick. So I went up to see um, a professor up in Dublin who did a cystoscopy. And right away, you could see a huge, great tumour inside the blood, taking most of the bladder up, to be honest. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, my God, this is the end. You know, you would, you would. And uh, so he explained, get dressed, bring you in on the Monday. That was on a Friday, on December, just before Christmas. So I came in on the Monday, and they removed the tumour. Um I didn't know what to do. You know, the, the, the daunting thing is for anybody suffering from cancer is we shouldn't be afraid, but it's automatic to be afraid uh, because you don't know. You know, when, when people mention cancer, you never had that before. Mm-hmm. And it's all like it reminds you of a death sentence. Somehow the word reminds Now, we know different to that, obviously, now. And I certainly know different to that. Once you get over the fear factor and investigate the possibilities, of course, the first thing they wheel out to you is chemotherapy. So they say, um, it's not the same chemotherapy as the other chemotherapy. This one isn't as bad. 
you know, it's a toxic poison, but it's not as bad as the other one. <laughs> well, my, my reaction was, can I pass on the toxic poison bit, please? You know, I'd rather <laughs> not do that. What else have you got? Now you've removed it, is it going to come back? What is it? It's So it, it turns out, the explanation they gave me was it uh, superstitious, which means it's on the surface, yeah? Mm-hmm. But the problem with that was, as the years went on, because I would not have chemotherapy or radiation or anything else, I did give in one time to a treatment called BCG. You're probably aware of it. Um, no, what is that, David? BCG, it's a bacterial treatment. Um, it, it can be quite effective, but again, it's um, it's supposed to be natural. You know, that's their label, not mine. Um, but it is a bacteria. And the idea is the bacteria attacks the cancer and eats the uh, cancer cells, which I believe works in, in part, but it's a very expensive treatment. So they only, they only gave me one treatment. It's a course of six treatments. They gave me one, and that was the end. So, And then there's a follow-up, but they didn't follow it up. So the cancer kept coming back in small tumours, two or three at a time, four or five sometimes, in the bladder. And uh, and then they would either take them away with laser, or they were too big or problematic. I'd have to go in for another op to remove the tumours. David, could you uh, tell when the, the tumours came back? Uh, no, there was no feeling. You you couldn't. You needed the cystoscopy, and then mm-hmm. that's the the plus to having bladder cancer, is it's very easy to treat. Um, the problem is, it's also very very aggressive. I think it's about number two in the aggressive stakes. Um, so easy to treat, but very aggressive. Kept coming back. What, was the doctor pressuring you to have chemo and radiation when this kept coming back? Mainly the chemo, the, the chemo that wasn't the chemo, but it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like the vaccine, it's not a vaccine kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they kept giving it uh, giving it a, a speech to me, you know, having this stuff. And I just wasn't up for that at all. No. So I kept refusing, didn't know what the options were, and it came to a head. Um I think it was 2015, so I'd had it like six and a half years on and off and going back and forth every three months. At one stage, I got to nine months, but then, it, you know, there's more growth. And they were doing biopsies all the way, so they, they knew that it was actually um, cancerous tissue rather than benign stuff. So it was, it was just coming back. It wasn't going anywhere. It was repeated. And then I learned a couple of things in 2015. One was... You know, my diet, nobody, see, the medical profession, this is the annoying thing. They tell you nothing about prevention. They just want to give you a prescription and sell you some more drugs. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's nothing to say, well, what you need to do. A good example would be when I was in hospital and I had the tumour removed and I come out of the operating theatre and I come round, they offer me a nice cup of sweet, sugary tea and a nice couple of rounds of white bread toast with butter and jam. You know. Wow. Mm. You're just feeding That's, the cancer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now during this Still, during David, during the six and a half year period, how many operations did you have to remove tumors from your bladder? 
Well, between two and three a year. So because me, my visits were mostly every three months. Wow, that's quite and a lot. It is, and I'm you know I got the all clear in 2015 in uh, November 2015. Um, I got the letter here, and the thing is, I'm still going. It still put me on nine months, three months, whatever. Oh, that might be something. Well, no, it's nothing. You can see clearly it's nothing. Well, with all these operations you had and your refusal to take chemo and radiation, did you ever in the back of your mind think, maybe I should take chemo or radiation? I thought that constantly. It was a constant thought. And people used to say to me, Stop being stupid, just have the chemotherapy. You know, we don't want you to go anywhere. We want you to be around, have the chemo. I said, well, I'm almost confident. As a non-believer in, in pharmaceuticals, from the age of around nine, ten years of age, when I, I kind of looked at it, and it, it always frightened me. You know, things out of a packet, to put them in your mouth. Mm-hmm. I always thought, no, Mother Nature treats you in other ways, I'm sure. Only the mind of a small child but it stayed with me all my life. and uh, fortunately for me I've stayed away in the main from pharmaceuticals During this period David as well, the six and a half year period with these multiple operations did you have doubts that you would survive? Yes I did and that came to a head when uh, I was delivered the message as you say quite rightly all these treatments, these procedures on going on and off, on and off, on and off. And I also had reactions to uh, the, um, what do you call that stuff? The, um, anesthetic. Anesthetic. Right. Isn't it mad how just one word won't come out? Um, so the anesthetic I always had a reaction to. So they, they fine tuned that and they got me to a point where I could tolerate it. Uh, but then we got to the to the end in, in November again. Uh, no, sorry, November. It was in May of um, 20, uh, 2015, yeah. Um, it wasn't going anywhere. And again, they delivered me the message that um, the bladder would have to come out and be replaced by a pig's bladder or bag or, you know, some whatever. A pig's bladder. Yes, and you, and you said? Yeah, and I said, well, I can't really repeat it on live radio, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, you can do that. Go ahead. Oh, it was like, a, like, um, fuck off. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not being half man and half pig for anybody, and you're not removing anything, because I had my tonsils removed when I was a child, and I regretted it ever since. I came in one piece, I'll go in one piece, you know, unless I have a car accident and chop a leg off or something. But uh, uh, and, so, and so I refused that. And at the same time, a friend sent me a link to... Uh, just before you get in, just before you get into that, when you refuse the the pig's bladder and the bag and whatever else they were going to do, yes. what was the doctor's response? Well, then they start the terror campaign, don't they? The terror campaign. Yep. Terror campaign. Did they give well, you a certain amount of time that you had left? Yeah. Well, the the, the removal of the bladder was nigh on imminent. Because don't, don't forget, by this time it had gone on for 
five and a half, six years, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and he said the walls are so thin now in the bladder that it's going to penetrate. Sooner or later, it's going to penetrate the muscle tissue and then it'll go secondary. And then you've got no chance. And I didn't know any different at the time. I didn't know about cannabis. I didn't know about anything. I just knew I didn't want pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't. And that's what led me on to a friend sending me a link to uh, a website. And um, I followed it. You know, I believed in it. I think the big thing, Ian, is, you know, if, if, if people have asked me since about it, about my experience, people who've had cancer and didn't know what to do, I said, you just go along with your gut feeling. It'll never lie to you. Mm-hmm. Gut feeling kept me away from pharmaceuticals, from chemotherapy and radiation. That was gut feeling. And it was right. You know, you do have that third eye. As a practicing Buddhist, I know I've got a third eye, and I, I use it. Yeah, that's very that's very true. I mean, your gut feeling never lies to you. It's uh, it's it's a guidance system, really, isn't it? It is. I think so. Yeah. So, David, that you got sent this website, and you started looking into cannabis. Then, is that what happened? And then I started looking as a complete. Uh, naive person you know right and i am i correct you watched the video run from the cure i did that's what i watched exactly that yeah that's what i watched that was the thing that got my my attention got you going yeah 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 that's when i went whoa okay isn't it incredible and the the selflessness of the man you know just I mean, he's just had a bad journey himself i just contributed i'm sure lots of us did um but ever so grateful to the man, you know. So, he, so you watched you watched the video, and then did you make your? Uh, you decided to make your own oil, or were you able to find oil in Wales, or or were you still in Ireland at this point? No, I was actually in England at that point. Okay, um, across the board, it's only a short way away. But uh, no, I, I had fortunately I, had, I lived in a big old farmhouse, so I had lots of rooms and lots of places and sheds and things like that and barns. Um, so I was able to contemplate growing because Rick Simpson always says you're always better if you can grow it yourself, produce it yourself, you know what's going into your body. Yeah. And I kind of went with that. And I thought, well, I'm not going to go in three months, six months. You know, the doctors had said uh, from that moment forward, if, I'm not, if I've got another year out of my bladder as it was, that would be fine. But the problem was the secondary. You know, if it got into the muscle tissue, that, that's a bit that scared me a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not afraid of death, don't get me wrong. It, it's just the journey. I didn't right. want to play the journey, you know. So did you start, you started growing your own cannabis then? Yeah, with great difficulty, I must admit, but uh, I managed it. I've, I've did, you grow, did you grow more than one strain, David, or did it just one? Uh, just one, which was Northern Lights. Northern Lights, yeah, which is often used for cannabis oil, yes. Yeah, it's a fabulous oil. It's uh, it, it doesn't taste too good, but... <laughs> no. so, you, so you made your, your first batch of cannabis oil and started yeah. ingesting it. Can you share with us how that went for you? Uh, again, it, as difficult as growing it and as difficult as, well, okay, Producing the oil wasn't that difficult. It's just fiddly, isn't it? And it takes you like four hours. If you, 
well, four hours if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, yeah. I mean, filtering is a big problem, isn't it? That's the main time consumer. But, um, no, growing and harvesting, it was all new territory, and people were helping me on the internet, and then a couple of friends came around who had had experience, so they came and helped, uh, which was a huge help. So they helped me with getting the grow back on target because it all started to die and I was giving it too much water, not enough water, too much light, not enough light, you know, the usual stuff. Right. So when, when you made the oil and started taking it, how much were you taking and did you do it three times a day and did you build up to a gram? Did you do any suppositories or all oral? No, no suppositories because uh, I did look at those because you know, the, the thing you'll get over and over again, no doubt, it's in, and I get it from people, is um, the high. Nobody wants to get high, um, myself included at the time. Um, I've changed my mind since because it's just the side <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes it's better than the side effects. That's but, right. Uh, fabulous stuff or you can drink alcohol and become a moron i mean i'd rather not thank you um so yeah the side effects so my dosing was like this uh, i'd take a little bit you know say half a grain of rice i started off with and then i built up to a grain of rice within a week you know within a few days i was on a grain and then i did like two grains and then sometimes as a feeling wore, wore off and I got more comfortable and I could recognise the feelings, um, I'd increase, you know, so as it wore off, I'd have another blob and then if it wore off, another blob. So that become constant. So I consumed 60 grams probably within two months. Wow, good for you. But there was only one thing. I had, I had my son and his daughter coming over from Canada, my son and his wife, sorry, coming over from Canada for the Christmas time, uh, which was 2015 Christmas time. And I wanted to get it out the way quick, you know, as you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I got it out the way quick. And uh, and then shortly thereafter, I was, was, was getting the, um, the, the uh, results, you know, of the test, going for the test and seeing what happened. Um, and I went too far and I got a bit, a little bit of psychosis going on, which is pretty unpleasant. But that was my own stupidity. You know, I knew better, but I did it anyway. So you, that was the only, you were the just taking too much? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was my, I, I took about four grams or something ridiculous, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I wasn't used to the maximum I'd done as a gram at the time. We whack four grams inside you and, and northern lights, you know, unbelievable. But, <laughs> Oops, yeah, Oops. you know, gives you a feeling of, uh, I think I'd rather have chemo. <laughs> now, so speaking of chemo, so when did you go back to the doctor and what was his response seeing that you were clear? He said, is, is, Almost his exact words were, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And I said to him, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm doing cannabis. He went, I can't discuss that with you. I said, I know you can't, but I'm telling you anyway. He said, I won't discuss it with you in the UK. It's, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's not a medical system anymore. It's a pharmaceutical system, and it's not there to make people healthy. It's there to write prescriptions. Yeah, that's all it does. You know, all GPs. Listen, even the, the medical uh, universities, they're working off scripts prepared by Big Pharma. And all, all they're doing is diagnosing and dishing pills out. Well, there's no need for uh, general practitioners anymore. You know, you can go on the internet and diagnose yourself and get your own pills. Yeah, you know, you know, you, <laughs> you know David, I was uh, speaking with Ian yesterday and saying to him, I think I've worked with, in the past nine years, somewhere between 15 and 20 uh, bladder cancers. And do you know that to the best of my knowledge, out of all of those, we've had a 100% success rate with bladder? There you go. It, you know, and it's where it is. You know, it just works. It just works. And just for listeners' benefit, you continue to take cannabis oil as a maintenance dose. Yes. Yes. Very, very important. It's very important. It's slightly different here in as much as... You can't keep too much around the house because um, it's class A and they don't care whether it's medicinal or not. They'll still put you in jail. I know. They just have no sense of humor. No, no. So I have to, uh, I have to hide it all over the country. You know? <laughs> some here, some there, some there. And you go for a little field trip every once in a while? That's what you have to do. You know, that's, that's how you get through life, isn't it? And uh, stay away from the authorities. How much, how much would you say you're taking as a maintenance dose there, David? I take every single night of my life, I take a grain of rice. Good, good, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, uh, you know, it's no, no uh, effects other than a feeling of well-being when I wake up in the morning. David, tell us how you feel today compared to how you felt prior to taking cannabis. Um, from a health and well-being point of view, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, about five times stronger, healthier, better. I have, you know, a little bit of arthritis that I, I used to have all gone. I used to suffer with gout quite a lot. That's gone. Um, hell of a lot of ailments. Tight chest I used to get. That's gone. Um, and now I walk miles with my dogs. You know, I do good for you miles most days. I have no trouble with my partner. You put mountains the occasional time. We go to the beach, do, you know, beach walks with the dogs. Um, yeah, fit, healthy. And you're still 39 years of age. Plus, plus uh, tax, of course. <laughs> tax, <laughs> yes, that's, yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And David, um, you, did you change your diet, or were you already plant-based diet before you got cancer? No, no, I was definitely a meat eater. I, I had spells of being a vegetarian, vegetarian over the years, but that's like a fashion statement, I think, you know, in, in the old days, in the 70s and 80s. Um, so I had spells of that, but no, a meat eater, a smoker, a drinker. I was smoking at the time when I got diagnosed. Uh, and it, it was strange because the, the consultant, the professor I went to see, he said, um, when he diagnosed, he'd come out there, he went, well, I guess you're an ex-smoker now then. I went, how do you know I smoke? He said, because that's the number one cause of bladder cancer. Really? Yeah, which shocked me. 
And then I looked it up, and of course it is. Yeah, it's true. I did not know that. You Ooh. and I are of the same vintage, and when uh, we grew up, uh, a great many people, I'd say the majority of people smoked cigarettes, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I started at uh, I started at uh, eleven and quit when I was twenty one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I was oh. I was smoking two packs a day when I quit, and uh, I was getting chest pain. So I remember I was living in Vancouver at the time, and I bought a package of cigarettes, smoked one on the way home, had chest pains, and I just threw them away. And I thought, I'm not going to do this again. But, you know, quitting smoking is one of the toughest things I've ever had to do. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, at the end of the day, no, I, well, I never used to consider it tough. I used to do it all the time, stopping smoking. It was really easy to stop smoking. <laughs> stop, start again and then stop for another. <laughs> but to stop this time was easy because once the diagnosis was there, I walked out of the hospital and put the cigarettes in the bin. Mm-hmm. Never looked back. Never wanted one. Never cared for one again. Yeah, because your life was on the line. Oh, hundred percent. You know, if somebody tells you something, I, mean, I find it incredible when you go to a hospital and you see people in wheelchairs outside smoking in the smoking area, and yeah. I, it blows my mind when I see that. I know. Yeah, it blows my mind when you see donut shops in hospitals. Yeah, what's that all about? It's it's not about healthcare. Unbelievable. Well, it's about keeping you sick. It's like, you know, the cancer research foundations. Now, at those places, I would just take a bomb to them. They've been at it 40, 50 years getting donations, and they've come up with what exactly? You know, and they're on TV, and, they, you know, give money to cancer research, give money to cancer research. How about not? How about keeping it in your pocket? Because it's a waste of money. David, when you, you mentioned you, right, you mentioned earlier that uh, your your son and his wife were coming over from from Canada. Do they yeah. now know that you're a cannabis consumer? Oh yeah, no, they knew. And and strangely enough, my son got uh, thyroid cancer, and. Uh, Sadly, before I found out, because he didn't want to worry me, because I'd, I'd had my trip cancer, even I'd had the all clear by then. Uh, so I got to find out very, very late, because I was going to talk him into doing cannabis, obviously, mm-hmm. which I did in the end, and he grew, and he, and he did, but uh, didn't dose himself properly. He was, uh, you know, spending a lot of his time buying burgers and you know Tim Hortons was his favourite aunt so mm-hmm. so he'd be in there for the big jugs of coffee and donuts and stuff like that all the time you know prior to doing his treatment and just after his treatment but then we found out during his treatment when he felt better to go to work um, which I advised him not to but he did um, that was it you know I tried to say to him look You've got to have three months of your life that you put on one side and you're going to spend most of it sleeping. And if you can do that, if you can get that mindset, put your life on hold for three months, 
it'll work for you every time. Because I do think one thing missing here, uh, a lot of people I've talked to, most of them have actually walked away, never seen them again. You know, you get them on the road and then they just kind of give up. Mm-hmm. You've got to believe, you need 1% belief and, and 99% input and effort. It'll work for everybody, but it'll only work if they allow it to. It's an interesting point. Uh, Corey and I were talking last night, and she was mentioning, uh, of the uh, chime in anytime, Corey, that the people that you've helped over the years, those people who wanted to help themselves rather than have someone else help them, are the most successful. Yeah, the ones that take control of the situation and are, are not playing the victim and, oh, make me better and aren't doing any research for themselves, those ones don't tend to do as well as the ones who are taking an active part in in their process of getting well. And, you know, I always talk to people about the fact it's really important for you to start controlling the cancer instead of the cancer controlling you. Yeah. You know, and, and this, uh, the, the, the language that's used, the battle with cancer, you know, you can't say battle with cancer. I won my battle with cancer. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I accept cancer was part of my existence. I accepted it. You know, I used to talk to it actually. You made your body healthy. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Cancer is a part of our. Whether we like it or not, it's part of our system. We we just don't understand it. It's not a bad thing, you know. People, it's demonised all the time. What what's the bad thing is our behaviour to cause the cancer in the first place. You know, it's always our behaviour. Cancer lies there dormant, in my opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that cause illness. Not not cancer, not cigarettes, not anything. It's our behaviour that causes the cancer to rise up and start being active. David, with your, with your cancer and cannabis and you correcting it, and what has cannabis done to change your life perspective it's it's opened my eyes the fact that it humbled me for starters because the fact that it cured something that was incurable or you've always been born and bred to believe it's incurable because it cured that and it did it in such a way that just the feeling of well-being was unbelievable you know not just from getting the good news but the feeling of well-being before the good news, you know, ongoing. It's incredible. I lost a lot of weight. All the weight that I didn't need fell off me. This is the cannabis that's doing this, right? So it gets you to the right body weight. It gets you in the right mindset. It heals your body. And it sends you off with recharged batteries. That's how I came out of that experience. Recharged batteries and a zest for life that that was starting to flag a little bit, you know. A complete tune-up. Honest to God, really, exactly. Yeah. And I'll bet, I'll bet, David, sorry, Corey, I'll bet, David, that some of the things that were of concern to you when you were not using cannabis now just are a fact of life and you don't worry about them anymore. No. No. I mean, we've all got the irritation of uh, the current nonsense that's going on. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Uh, a little bit angry about that and a little bit fed up with it but uh, 
No, no major. No, my overall life uh, well-being levels, my desire for life, uh, all-time high. I'm not just saying that it's true. Mm-hmm. Now, how old are you, David? 77. 77. The reason I ask that is because uh, uh, a lot of older people are afraid of cannabis because they've been uh, preconditioned by propaganda to um, despise cannabis and that pharmaceuticals are the only solution to their good health. But I think you are a prime example of someone in their 70s who has taken control of their own health through the use of cannabis, and you are healthier today than you were previously. And I think uh, you're a, a fabulous testament to the use of cannabis and what it can do for you. And we greatly appreciate uh, you sharing your story. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Yeah, I'd just like to say anybody out there that's listening, don't hesitate. Embrace it. Go with it. It works. It works, but you have to make it work. And all you've got to do is just go along with it. Put three months on one side, sleep a lot. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Great. Thanks, David. Oh. We greatly appreciate your time. No problem. David, thank you. Thank you so very, very much for sharing your story with us. No problems. If I can be of any other guidance or assistance to any other people that are out there, especially the older ones, um, please send them along. Okay, thank you. And we once again thank David in Wales for sharing his story. And if you've got a story about the medical use of cannabis, then we'd like to hear from you. And you can contact us, go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And we have over 300 interviews now of over the last several years, people who have willingly shared their story and it has been an inspiration to others. And if you want to be an inspiration to others, if you want to help other people, then contact us with your story and we can share that with the world because we're heard in approximately 99, 100 countries around the world and people need this education in order to help them with their health and with an understanding of the medical benefits of cannabis. And if you'd like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio, you can do so by sending us a one-time donation for as little as $5 a month. Or if you want to be a monthly donor, you can do the same thing on Patreon. Go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And we appreciate you listening, and we thank you, and we'll be back next week with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.